What's up, Blackhawks fans? Welcome to another episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Luke, joined once again by Abe. How's it going, Abe? It's going well. Good, good. Um, let's, let's dig right into this. The Hawks had a little bit of a, a rough stretch, three-game losing streak, two against Colorado and one against St. Louis. Um, uh, they, they turned it around since then. They had some good performances against, uh, Boston and New Jersey, but real quick, let's just dive into, uh, that game against St. Louis. They, uh, probably the most newsworthy item that came out of that, other than the fact that we got shut out by the Stanley Cup champion, very much hated, uh, arch rival division blues at home, um, by the way, I was at that game, and that was the loudest Let's Go Blues chant I've ever heard outside of St. Louis, right at the end of that game. It was it was unsettling. I didn't like that. Uh, not one bit. <clears throat> not one bit. Uh, but the, most, the biggest story that came out of that game, I think, was the fact that the Hawks iced 11 forwards and 6 defensemen uh, because of salary cap issues. And... Um, uh, I think I think part of the narrative was that uh, it was because of cap mismanagement, but I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Uh, I believe uh, it's been a couple of games and people have been shifted around since then, but I believe the players who were out were um, Duncan Keith, Andrew Shaw, Dylan Strom, and, and Drake Kajula. Yeah, uh, so. Uh, the reason, the reason that the Hawks played 11 forwards instead of 12 is because, well, they didn't have the cap space to call up even like, like a, a, a league minimum contract player from Rockford. They were at like 81, I think the cap is 81 and a half and they were at like 81 point something. Uh, so it, you know, there was no cap space to call someone up. Um, uh, and uh, all of those guys, like, or most of those guys, rather, they, uh, they weren't expected to be out for long enough that we could put them on long-term injured reserve. Long-term injured reserve allows us to save some cap space. Uh, normal injured reserve is more short-term and it does not save cap space. Uh, so it was kind of just a result of having a lot of high profile injuries at the same time. Uh, which sucks, and uh, but I don't I don't know I don't know that calling up like Dennis Gilbert or somebody from Rockford would have necessarily resulted in a win against St. Louis. No, that, not at all. That was a bad game. It's not a good game. <clears throat> yeah, although what's scary is the fact that it was three. We had three forwards on. Well, Shaw was not an IR just yet, but the fact that we had three forwards with concussion like symptoms. Yeah. Or in, in concussion protocols. That's a little concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Shaw, Strom, and Kanjula all dealing with concussion symptoms. Uh, and then Keith was out because of uh, a groin injury. Um, and actually, the second item on my list here is uh, Keith and Shaw were officially placed on injured reserve, I think, Friday, which is yesterday at the time we're recording this. We're recording this on Saturday. I think it was Friday. Um, but they were placed on injured reserve retroactive, like a week prior or something like that. So, uh, the thing about normal injured reserve is that there are no cap savings, like I just discussed. Um, 
the reason you do it is to open up roster spots. Uh, but it does mandate that the players placed on injured reserve take at least seven days off. Now, Keith, based on the, the retroactive nature of this IR placement, uh, it means that Keith is eligible to return to the lineup anytime. Uh, Shaw, I think, has a couple more days to go. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, I guess the, the big surprise here is the Hawks beat Boston on the road, the best team in the league. And uh, we are, what, second from the bottom in uh, the West, and we, uh, we beat Boston on the road. They had lost, they'd lost uh, prior to us playing them, they would lost four games at home, and they were all in overtime. And they lost to us in overtime. They, they have yet to lose a game in regulation in Boston. Yeah, we almost had a chance of beating them in regulation, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were up 3 nothing going into the third, and then we had a third-period meltdown. Uh, fortunately, we still managed to get two points out of that game. Uh, and Leonard didn't have to <laughs> face the shootout. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the Hawks, they kind of play well against Boston for some reason. Boston is, they've been a great team for the past couple of years, and we've been not such a great team for the past couple of years. But even, um, uh, you remember in 17-18, just that, that death march of a season when we when we lost Hosa and Crow was gone for most of the season with a concussion and we were dealing with like we we iced something like eight goalies. Uh we had like JF Berube and um uh Anton Forsberg and Jeff Glass and Colin Delia. Uh yeah, it was is a mess. It was all over the place. But even that season, I think near the end we did manage to beat Boston. So I don't know. I guess we just play well against Boston. Um, and also the 17 seconds thing. I guess that's a big deal too. Yeah. Although it seems it's funny because since I think since we beat them in the in the Cup final in two thousand twenty ten the thirteen. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about the go, going back to the Flyers. Just how we can't beat the Flyers since then. <laughs> but then we don't have any issues with we don't have too many issues with Boston. We, yeah, in the regular season, the Hawks seem to struggle against the Flyers, and we actually have not won a game in Philadelphia since 1995 or something like that. It's, it's absurd. It's absurd how long it's been since we've won a game in Philadelphia during the regular season. That wasn't a playoff game. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was Dylan Strom's first game back. He, he made his presence known. I... I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I want to say that he scored a goal. Or maybe that was last night against the, Strom? the Devils. Yeah. No, Strom scored against Boston okay. and also had an assist. Yeah, so he, he made his return known. Uh, DeBrinket had a goal in the Boston game. Uh, he snapped his goalless streak. I, I want to say it was like 12 games or something crazy like that. Uh, DeBrinket's really been underperforming up to this point. He actually scored last yeah. night, too. Yeah. Yeah, the the lone goal for us. Yeah, he's he's such a streaky goal scorer. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't. Yeah. Uh, especially that rookie season of his, he had, he had three hat tricks, but only like, uh, three hat tricks, but twenty eight goals. Actually, twenty eight goals is not too bad for a rookie. <clears throat> 
Um, and then after, let's see, uh, Taves scored the overtime winner, which is great because Taves has not been producing very much this year. Uh, and I want to talk about that a little bit later. Um, Taves scored the overtime winner, and then uh, Bruins fans peppered the ice with water bottles. I don't know if it was like a water bottle giveaway that night or something, but a lot of Bruins fans threw water bottles on the ice. And it was not a great look for a group of fans who don't exactly have a great reputation. Well, it just further backs the notion that yeah. Boston fans suck. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, and then uh, uh, I don't know. Do I want to? Do I want to break it right now, or do I want to talk about the New Jersey game? Let's just talk about the New Jersey game real quick. Um, so uh, yeah, the New Jersey game. What was it? Two to one. Shootout. Yeah. Two to one in a shootout. Yeah. The uh, Brinkett scored the lone goal for us. Uh, Doc scored the shootout winner. In the, I think it was the fifth round of the yeah. shootout? Yeah, I think, was it Taves, Kane, who's scored? Debrinket. Taves, Kane, Debrinket. Doc scored. And then there was somebody else who did not score. Um, oh my god, uh, was it Nylander? It might have been. Someone's screaming into their car radio right now. <clears throat> Uh, it doesn't really matter that much. No, it was Strom. It was Strom. Yes, yes, it was Strom. Um, he made a good move, but yeah, just uh, didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, so the uh, so uh, the games against the road trip to Boston and New Jersey that was this year's uh, Blackhawks moms road trip. Uh, alternating years, they do the moms and the dads. This year, it was the moms. The moms are currently on a three-game win streak. Uh, the Hawks won against New Jersey last night, Boston the night before. And then two years ago, they won their most recent game. I can't remember who it was against, but... Uh, but yeah, so I think we should probably just keep sending the moms to all the games until we lose. I can get behind that. Uh, with that said... Um, oh, I didn't mention, um, uh, Kirby Doc had the, the game winner in the shootout. That was his first NHL shootout attempt, and he's currently 100%. Yep. 100% in NHL shootouts. And, um, Jack Hughes had the last opportunity for the Devils, and... And he missed. And he missed. So, uh, the Hawks won the lottery. We won the, uh, we won the draft. Yep. Yeah, write that down. Get that tattooed across your butt. <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Here's a word from our sponsor. Okay, so now I want to talk about um, Alex Nylander. Uh, he's, <clears throat> he's been struggling a little bit lately. Um, I'm going to pull up his stats right now. Um, I want to see how he's done in his last uh, handful of games or so. But um, it hasn't yeah. been good. No, that's for been, sure. He's been underperforming. Let's see. So, so when was his last? When was his last goal? Um, his last goal was uh, November sixteenth. So let's see. Between now and then, that's ten games. Uh, he has one assist and he's minus eight, with four penalty minutes. Hmm. So. Uh, not great lately. Not great. Uh, maybe if we go back... 
even a little bit further. I mean, he had a, he had a decent start to the season. He was producing and stuff, but he's fallen <laughs> off the edge of the cliff all, since for a while. I feel like. Yeah, in his first, let's see. In his first, let's say twenty games. No, let's say fifteen games. His first fifteen. That's sixteen. His first six fifteen. How much bourbon did I put in that uh, <laughs> whiskey ginger? Uh, in his first six, 15 games, he had two goals and five assists for seven points, which is okay. Um, but actually, let's start with that San Jose game because um, let's start after that San Jose game because that San Jose game, I think, was. Uh, all right, after that San Jose game, he had one goal and five assists through uh, November 9th. So he had an okay stretch there. Um, he's he's technically still a rookie. He's got like 20, he had like 20 NHL games under his belt before this season. But he really does need to start showing a little bit more. Um, he hasn't scored a goal in 10 games, or 11 games, uh, yeah, it's it's still too early to say if we've won that Yoki Haru trade or not, but uh, Yoki Haru has been pretty helpful for, uh, he's been a, an asset for Buffalo since the start of the season, and uh, there were definitely some times, like especially now that Duncan Keith is injured, where we could have used uh, a strong defenseman like Yoki Haru. Uh, hopefully, Nylander can start turning things around, but uh, he's he's been a little streaky. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they took a big risk in trading for him, or in acquiring him in the trade, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... I think the the Schmaltz Strom trade, um, it's it invigorated uh, Stan Bowman's confidence that he can he can take a couple of flops and he can flip them and uh, make something out of them. Uh, I think the difference between the difference between the Strom Schmaltz trade and the Nylander Yoki Haru trade is that the only People who seem to think that Yoki Haru was a flop were the Blackhawks. The all the fans, they he was really growing on them. They thought that he had a lot of promise, and they seem to believe that you know the Hawks, the team. They seem to believe that behind the scenes he was actually like struggling a little bit. He was like maybe drowning. There seems to be this belief that, um, and it's it's not necessarily untrue, but there seems to be this belief that a lot of the times when you take a uh, a young defenseman, and you put him into the NHL too soon, he'll, you know, he may look good on the ice, you know, and pass the eye test and everything, but he's he's actually, like, focusing too much on, on not making mistakes and not really playing with that swagger that you need to have in order to be a, a strong player in this league. Um, and I think it seems like they were seeing a lot of that and I, I don't know, he, he it, it doesn't seem like Colleton liked him very much. It seems like he fell out of favor with the coaches, and they were trying to flip him for more offensive talent, which 
And, you know, we're not exactly short on offensive talent. I I don't know why you don't keep another promising young defenseman in your system. I don't know. I still think at the time it was a dumb trade. Maybe Nylander comes back to be, like, a real strong asset. And, you know, maybe we do end up winning that trade. Or it's a, it's a win-win. But uh, Nylander's got to show a little bit more uh, moving forward. Uh, Dylan Sakura might be it might be time to call him up because he's he's been having a pretty good season with Rockford especially in his last couple games. I can't see his last like like 10 games or so, but uh, I can see on elite prospects. He's played 21 games, he has 9 goals and 6 assists for 15 points, which is not bad at all. Um you know, it's not the NHL, but if if we need to send Nylander to Rockford to help him build his confidence a little bit, maybe Sakira is the right guy to call up in his stead. What do you think? You want to see Sakura back in a in a Blackhawks uniform? Um, I feel like might as well give him a shot because I mean, obviously Nylander isn't producing, but just going back on the trade, I feel like right now it. Like, my big thing with Yogi Haru is I feel like the team gave up on him too soon. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously we can just talk about it all we want, but the trade happened, it's done, there's nothing you can do about it. Just hope that Nylander can pan out to be at least a decent, like, middle of the, like, a middle of the line forward for us and produce. Yeah, like a middle six or top nine forward. Because, for, like, for me, the other thing, too, is, like, why would you give up a... Like, my, my biggest issue with the trade was why would you give up a, a solid or a decent young defensive-minded defenseman? Whereas, like, with the team currently, we have, like, Boquist and um, Gustafson and stuff, like, in, mm-hmm. like, either in the NHL or Rockford that are offensive-minded defensemen. Mm-hmm. Like, we need more... We need better defensive-minded defensemen. Yeah. I agree with that. <clears throat> yeah, the the Hawks seem to be really leaning towards uh, offensive-minded defensemen in recent years, and that... Maybe that's their vision for what the... what the future of the game is. Like, maybe... Maybe they want to play games where you win 6-5 or 6-4. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that's it, though, because the, the blueprint that teams like the Capitals and the Blues followed on, the, on their way to Stanley Cups was um, uh, defensemen with size and skill. Uh, and you can kind of see the Hawks pivoting that way when they drafted guys like Alex Vlasic this year. And um, when they traded for uh, uh, Alec Regula, um, he was part of the Perlini trade with the Red Wings. And actually, Brendan Perlini, I, I hear he's been struggling with the Red Wings recently. Um, so maybe we won that trade. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that... I, I still think that guys like Ian Mitchell, I think Ian Mitchell's going to be the real deal. He's going to become... He's going to go pro next year. He's going to play for the Hawks. And I think he's going to be an asset for us. But he's he's a small guy. Um, 
Ian Mitchell height. Let's see how tall he is. Uh, he's he's 5'11", um, which by hockey standards is not remarkably tall. Um, maybe I was exaggerating when I said that he was a small guy. But 5'11 is not remarkably tall. Uh, he's 174 pounds, though. That's pretty light. Um, so his... He's no Dustin Bufflin. Is, so his thing seems to be more about speed. <laughs> Which, actually, like, I feel like with the way the NHL is headed, it's possible, like, having a speedy defenseman will help a lot. The Hawks do need speed. We are not a fast team. Yeah, how many... Oh, my God, I can't even... Like, watching games, like, how many breakaways per game does the oppose, do opposing teams have? Yeah, it's it's sad when we get matched up against against fast teams like like the Lightning. Like we just don't look good against teams like the Lightning. Um I'm trying to I'm trying to look up like a scouting report for Ian Mitchell. Um Whew, if I can't find one quick enough to might just have to move on. But um yeah, look forward to Ian Mitchell. Uh, look forward to Adam Boquist. Uh, these guys are going to be the real deal. Uh, and then hopefully guys like um, uh, Alex Vlasic and um, Alec Regula, they can, they can come up and they can add some size and a reasonable amount of skill to our blue line. It's, it's probably going to be another couple of years before we start looking like contenders again though <clears throat> um i found a scattering report but it's like several paragraphs long i'm not going to read that i'm going to read all that uh i also wanted to touch on Leonard speaking out about the uh the allegations against some some coaches recently like mark crawford and, and talking about cancel culture and stuff like that i don't want to talk too much about that because it's kind of a controversial subject and, uh, you know, you should all obviously form your own opinions on it. But uh, Mark Lazarus put out a piece in The Athletic. Uh, he basically interviewed Leonard for about 20 minutes and then transcribed it. And uh, it's, it's an interesting read. He makes, he makes a lot of points that uh, I think a lot of people will agree with about, like, mental health education being an important uh, part of uh, how we progress as a sport and as a culture and a society um i highly recommend reading it and then the last thing i wanted to touch on was uh jonathan taves and his not so great production uh so far he's got five goals and 10 assists in 15 point and 15 points in 29 games uh so he's he's almost half a point per game player uh, last year, by contrast, he had 35 goals and 46 assists for 81 points in 82 games. So he was just a hair under a point per game player. And I think we were... That was... Last season was a career season for him, too, I believe. It was. It was. I think a lot of people expected him to keep that going. I'd actually... Um, I'm going to say, I feel like he... He's regressed back to his 17-18 season numbers, like the way he's going right now. I wonder how much of that is because of the power play. Um, actually, let me... You know? 
Last year, he had 25 even strength goals and nine power play goals. Now, you get nine power play goals by playing a lot of time on the power play. But I don't think he's even on pace for 25 goals this year. No. Uh, let alone 25 even strength goals. So, and he, his shooting percentage last year was 14.9%. This year, it's 6.8%. Nice. So, less than half. So, I don't know. Something's, something's got to change with him. My, my thought was that perhaps because the power play is just is not clicking this year. Um, after, uh, of course, I predicted that we'd have a, like a top five, top ten power play in the league. Now we don't. Um, but we have in the like since October twenty first. I saw this stat on Twitter, and since October twenty first, we have like the number seven penalty kill in the league. So go fucking figure. God damn it! I said fuck. Now I got to mark it as explicit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you let one slip earlier already. So <laughs> sorry, advertisers. Um. But, yeah, so, I don't know, man. Uh, Taves has to figure it out. Uh, yeah, because we really need him producing. Cause that top line without his production, it's kind of doomed. Yeah, with, now, you know, Taves, of course, he still brings a lot of, like, non, non-score sheet assets. Like, he, you know, he's got, the, like, the leadership, and he's, he's great at face-offs. What's his face-off percentage this year? 53.7. That's that's respectable. Um, last year was 56.3. Okay. Very so good. Similar. Yeah. Um, but he's also he's also really good. One of our, He's probably our best defensive forward still. Uh, since actually, Osa went down. Now, obviously the season is... It's only like... We're only like a third of the way through the season. But... With the exception of his rookie season, this is his worst face-off percentage of his career, 53.7. His rookie season was 53.2, and then his next lowest was 54.7 in his sophomore season. Hmm. Yeah, he's... I I mean, anything over 50 is great, but... Uh, yeah, he's he's just been hurting. And I think probably the most damning stat against Taves so far is that of his five goals, only one of them is a five-on-five five goal. So four of them are power plays? Um, or, or shorthanded? Uh, four of them are even strength. That's what this says. It doesn't say five-on-five. Five. Oh. So, you know, that could be three-on-three three overtime. That could be four-on-four. Four. Okay. Uh, but we know only one of them is five on five. Uh, I, I got the oh, five okay, on, the okay. one five on five goal stat from, I think it was, it was, uh, I think it was Ben Pope on Twitter. He's for like the, the Tribune or something. Um, and let's see, he's got two game winners. So I think those are both overtime goals. I believe so. Yeah, because the one was the breakaway that he had against Boston, mm-hmm. and I think the other one was a feed from Kane. I forgot against who, but yeah, yeah, I, that other one was definitely an overtime winner. It was the one that uh, Kane shot it, and it like bounced off of Taves. Like Taves didn't shoot it; it just bounced off of him, and he got credit for the goal. Okay, it was in like the first five games or something. Um, so yeah, we need Taves to be better. Uh, with that, I think we're, we're about out of topics for this week. 
Um, the Blackhawks' next game... Do you remember? Um, Otherwise, I'm going to have no. to look it up. Uh, the Blackhawks' next game is against the Coyotes tomorrow. Uh, the Coyotes are the best team in the Pacific Division right now. In the West, I think, too, overall. Are they? I believe so. I thought that was the Blues or the, the Avalanche. But uh, the Coyotes are very good this year. And they have arguably the best goaltending tandem in the league. But we have arguably like the second best goaltending tandem in the league. So that will be an interesting game to see how that goes. Uh, no, okay, so the Coyotes are second in the conference behind the Oilers. What a fucking world we live in. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> oh my god. Wait. Oh, hang on. Never mind. Here we go. I found it. Coyotes are second in the Pacific and tied for third in the conference with the Avalanche. Still very good. Yeah. Still very good. Yeah, they, they're, uh, they're a different team this year than they have been. Uh, John Chaka, I think, has been really good for them uh, as GM. And then uh, I think their coach is still Rick Tockett. They've, uh, they've, they've assembled a good squad over there. Um, and uh, actually a lot of former Hawks. Jalmerson, uh, Ranta, Schmaltz. Um, yeah, a lot of good players over there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for them. I've been Wagman in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, especially because they have Hosa's contract. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that, Arizona. Sincerely, that that was a uh... oh, Henestrosa, uh, Henestrosa over there too. Almost forgot him. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I think that's about all we got. The dog is crying. He wants his dinner. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.